0: Listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Do you think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. As N.T. Wright Riley notes, this passage from the Gospel according to Luke is, quote, high on the list of things we would rather Jesus hadn't said. It's not gentle. It's not meek and mild. It's not even nice. Parents and children at loggerheads, in-laws getting cross at one another. What can Jesus have had in mind? Well, it's the second Sunday in a row that the lectionary sets before us some tough-edged material, the sort of crisis texts that are typical in the opening weeks of Advent. I'd certainly prefer something a little more edifying on a warm August evening, but that's part of the reason that we use the lectionary. You have to contend with the whole of the gospel, not just the parts that we like. So what did Jesus have in mind here? How does this connect with all of the other things that he taught and embodied? His healing of sick people, his restoration of marginalized outsiders, his words about forgiveness of enemies and turning the other cheek, his gracious parables of the prodigal son and the good Samaritan. In so much of what he does and says, he is living grace living a whole new vision of what it means to be counted amongst the beloved of God, and then bang, fire, division, breaches in families. In that world, the bonds and loyalties that tied families together were even more significant than in ours. Your family was your identity, your security, your pension plan, your social safety net, There's no nursing homes, no old age security, no child tax benefit. So division in a household was dire. Antipathy between in-laws more than just script fodder for sitcoms. But households will be divided, Jesus said. And here he's actually riffing on a verse from the prophet Micah, who had also taught and lived in a time of crisis. Micah, in his writings, laments what Israel had become. He laments the corruption that had set into its court system, the loss of a deeper vision of life as God's people, the economic and social injustice that made some very, very wealthy while others were left destitute. And Micah laments the way in which families, again, so important in that ancient context in which families had become twisted. And so he writes, the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies are members of your own household. It's not merely a lamentable problem for Micah, but rather a sign of a much deeper dis-ease in the society. The prophet looked at this deep and troubling dysfunction in families and knew that Israel itself was in trouble. Well, that's part of what's at work here for Jesus as well. It isn't that he wishes to bring division, that he wants to see families spring apart, but simply what he knows will happen when people begin to respond to the new vision and the new order that he's establishing in their midst. He uses that very strong language of fire, echoing prophets like Malachi, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. It's refining fire, like fire that's used to refine and purify silver. And so David Lose comments, the division of which Jesus speaks is a result of the purifying fire he bears. The kingdom of God, he proclaims, represents a new order governed not by might, but by forgiveness. Not by fear, but by courage. Not by power, but by humility. But it's fire all the same. Because while this new kingdom will catch the imagination of many, set their hearts on fire, it will be resisted by those who think they have too much to lose. And so, David Loos continues, those invested in the present order, those lured by the temptations of wealth, status, and power, those who, who rule now will resist the coming kingdom, for it spells an end to what they know and love. For many, there was a good deal to lose if the status quo was upset. And for others, maybe even those not particularly benefiting From the status quo the familiar was still that familiar though it might not be the most fitting of words in this context better the devil you know than the devil you don't right the thing is it did happen those who caught jesus resurrection vision for a new kingdom a new way of being god's people in the world found themselves indeed divided from friends neighbors, and yes, even family members. Remember, Jesus himself had at least some experience of this. Fairly early in his ministry, his mother and his brothers come to speak with him. And there's at least some sense in the text that they become worried about him, what he's doing, all they've been hearing, so they come to speak to him. The crowd's thick, they can't make their way through, So the disciples come to him and say, his family members are outside looking for him. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Now in time, of course, his mother and his brothers do become very much a part of his movement. But at that moment... He's already offering a fairly radical reimagination of family. Blood is thicker than water. That's the old saying, right? Blood is thicker than water. But here Jesus is effectively saying that water, the waters of baptism by which we mark our membership in the body, water is thicker than blood. And he does speak in today's reading of his impending baptism. Not the baptism he received from John in the wilderness, but the baptism that would be his death, his death and resurrection, actually, as he's plunged into the darkness and nothingness of death, only to be resurrected more vibrantly and utterly alive than any person had ever before been. Yet at this point in the gospel, when he speaks of his coming death in baptism, It's clearly a deep weight and burden to him. What a stress I am under until it is completed. Because he knows it's a costly road he must walk. And then those words about interpreting the present time. He says, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say it's going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And so it happens. You're proficient at watching weather patterns, he's saying to them, which in an agrarian culture, as any farmer will tell you, is a rather important skill to develop. Yep, you're great at watching the skies, but you're hypocrites, he says to them. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The signs of division and brewing unrest are all around you, The Romans are marching in the streets. Pilate is ruling with a particular brutality. The Jewish zealots, the rebels, are talking revolution. The temple leaders are trying to appease the government and maintain their status quo. And some of you are even benefiting from your collaboration with the Romans. Can't you see this is all a fool's game? Can't you see... That what I'm doing, what I'm offering, what is being brought about in your very midst is something deeper and more true? It's a rejection of violence and power and a way that will bring peace. But if you don't wake up, if you don't look at what's happening, if you don't learn to read the signs all around you, the way to that deep peace is going to be marked by division. And so it was. So that's where all of that teaching comes from. That's why he speaks those hard words. That's its context. Think, though, the really pressing question for us is the one of reading the signs of our own times. I don't mean the kind of number crunching, let's put together all the apocalyptic bits in the Bible and see if we can't predict the date of the world's end that's not actually reading the signs of the time at all. More like, what are the ways in which our own society, our own cultural norms and values, are dragging us into a kind of a status quo, self-satisfied space, and lulling us to sleep with things that just don't matter? What are we missing? What are we not seeing when we look at our own world and our own lives? Again... To return to the comments of David Loes, if the kingdom Jesus proclaims represents a new order governed not by might, but by forgiveness, not by fear, but by courage, not by power, but by humility, how and when and where are we utterly missing that kingdom, opting instead for something that neither brings true life nor ultimately can possibly satisfy. This gospel in all of its thorniness is a call to interpret our present time with discernment and eyes wide open and dare to dream kingdom again. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.